Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One of the great things about doing a podcast for some eight years is that when you come by a new wonderful podcast you can actually promote it on your platform so uh, without any further ado i would like to implore you dear listener to go and to listen to the being berlin pod it's produced by mac matan who set off for berlin in the august of 2020 what she does is interview berliners and whilst you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm sat in Boise, Idaho, or Christchurch, New Zealand, what does this have to do with me? Fundamentally, this is a story about humanity, about people finding themselves, finding their home, and connecting with others. It just so happens that it all happens within Berlin. So if you like human stories, I'm proud to be able to promote the Being Berlin podcast. Go and find it on a podcatcher of your choice today. Each month, over 80,000 people download podcasts produced from the fevered mind of Royfield Brown. They cover a gamut of topics like maps, politics, American presidents, history, the archers, Formula One, Jamaican culture, and Englishness. Go to wherever you get your podcast and type in Royfield Brown to discover a new favorite podcast today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Archers fan and Ambridge Pony Club and Buggy Squires, and we're going to see Dumpty 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 Dum Dumpty Dumpty Da Da Dumpty 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 Dum Dumpty Da 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 Dumpty Da 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 Dumpty Da Da Dumpty Da 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 Dumpty Da Da Dumpty Da Dumpty Da 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 and that's and we're in Margate. 
So, this week's Dumpty Dum is from Buggy Squires, Ambridge Pony Club and Archers Fan 2015. That is Bernadette, Jen and Brian, who had a Dumpty Dum meet-up in Margate. And Dumpty Dum this week is sponsored by Brian Holding, who donated to Dumpty Dum. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I am the ruined teenager who is Royfield Brown, and today I'm joined by the patronising old woman... Who is Jacqueline Berto in Sanguin in Brittany, France. On this episode, we'll hear from Witherspoon, Christopher McKiddy of The Voice, Mary Bray, Claire Astbury, Rob Williams, European Richard who's actually in Australia, and Jonah Titchmarsh. Plus, we're going to have Purple Pumpkin, the tweet of the week. And of course, we're going to have our social media roundup, which is from our Katie this week. Don't forget, if you like a little bit of YouTube and who doesn't like YouTube, you can go there and if you type in Dum Dum, you've got two years worth of interviews we've done with the great and the good of Ambridge. And as well as YouTube, we are on Facebook. So we're going to have our Facebook roundup and we'll be welcoming new members to our Facebook group later on in this episode. But first, let's look at the week in Ambridge from our Swee. Hello, lovely people. It's Sui, Green or Tart here, at the moment still on the Twitters, with another week on Ambridge. I hoped we might all end up singing from the same hymn sheet this week, but after various conversations, it seems there'll be multiple choirs in the village this Yuletide. Jolene brings together those who like a traditional tune, and Fallon and Neil bring in the youngsters with some newer, contemporary material. It should be a right ding-dong. Fallon gave George a singing lesson that it seems he will not be singing, but instead dealing with the administration. I can't help thinking he'll be finding a way to acquire any monies that turn up. Jolene and Fallon were set to have a proper domestic over who will be more successful. They are, however, prepared to work together to warm people up by opening both the ball and the tea room for anyone in the village, regardless of whether they buy food and drink. Kenton was proper miffed at the prospect of letting people take advantage of their fuel, but Jolene put her foot down. We can look forward to nights in the bull with Eddie bringing tumbled tussock to drink and George working out how to misappropriate the money. Jill left Brookfield in extremely high dudgeon and set up at the bull, managing to achieve stir-up Sunday. Thank goodness there will be cake and pudding at Christmas. Alistair and Elizabeth both encouraged Paul to get together with Rory, much to the annoyance of Julianne, who has found Rory a job in the city to keep him in her debt. But Rory seems ready to jump into a normal relationship and she is beginning to get the message that time is going to be up soon. She threatened Rory. Mm, that was not good. Home Farm started discussing whether to buy some of the Brookfield land. Then a rival offer came in to buy a couple of acres to keep horses. Is Vince the mystery buyer? And talking of Vince, does he not understand what travel insurance is for? He wants David and Ruth to pay him 8 k for the cancelled trip to Potts Antipodean. Elizabeth, it's time to dump Vince. It will be interesting to see who ends up handing cash over to whom. Well, until next week then, should be a good one. Thank you for that, Suey. What do you reckon last week in Ambridge? I've loved the week, but mm. I've got so many questions. Haven't you? I love the week too, but I also loved it because a little round spherical object was being kicked from one end of our to another by teams from all around the globe. 
as well as it was a good week in Ambridge as well. Such a good week. I mean, some of us are qualified. Oh, oh God. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about who is your best character this week? Is probably... Is it Ruth? I liked Ruth because I liked her journey that she went on this week and the rapprochement yeah. with David. Okay? Yeah. Aranga's subsiding. And even though she was right to be Mama Bear defending Ben, she also did appreciate the difficult position that David was in. And David is also realizing that Ruth was, was right, etc. And I enjoyed that. But actually, my favorite character this week, but it's more in terms of villainy, coerciveness. Not Julianne. Absolutely, it's Julianne. I, don't get me wrong. In terms of the drama, I like that. As a person, yeah. do I like her? Absolutely not. But I was like, oh. <laughs> you know. Are you sure you should be listening to The Archers? You should be watching uh, EastEnders, I think. But it's clever villainy, though, isn't it? You know, it's it all, is clever. This, this is rob and coercive control. This is... Absolutely. Scary. You know, you can completely understand why poor Rory has not seen this coming. Well, no, he does understand. He's starting to understand because he doesn't want to take the job, does he? He knows that this is a step too far, that she's in all aspects of his life, whilst claiming you're a free agent, you can do whatever. But not really, yeah, I agree. Absolutely not. So uh, if she's your best because she's a villain character, who is the person you most wanted to slap? I know, I know you'd never slap anyone, but who irritated you? You know what? I'm going to say David here because I don't, like when Vince said, and I want you to pay for the the holiday to New Zealand, it's like, I beg your pardon. Where's that coming from? Exactly. <laughs> Wanker. <laughs> I beg your pardon. Sorry, sorry, what? sorry, sorry, I slipped so, so, Sorry, uh, sorry, folks. Yeah, I'm all, I always want to learn <laughs> words in new languages. But if I was a gentleman or even a lady and I wanted to pleasure myself, what is the French word for that? I've no idea. Right, so <laughs> David... Wait a minute. How long have you been in France now? Oh, God, a thousand years. Half my life, it feels like. No, but I'm that, too old for but that. But that word has just passed you by somehow. No, never come into my sphere. Thinking so about it, that word sounds pretty French to me anyway. Nah, don't be ridiculous. Really? Vonky? Wonky? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. No idea. People who live in France like listen to this. I'm not talking about French words for things, but David was a <laughs> this week. That's sure. But, <laughs> but what about your Fallon? Because I know you like a bit of Fallon. Oh, you know what? I completely am d'accord with George here. I'll be going weak at the knees too. <laughs> Uh, and I knew you'd say that. I'm sure it's the same for girls, but I've never been a girl. I remember being a teenage boy, and we had this neighbour across the road, Janet. What a beautiful woman. And she was just so lovely and kind, which made it worse. You know, she always smiled, and it just allowed you that one scintilla of, oh. But no, there was, of course, there's nothing. She was just being a, a, her lovely, normal, nice self. But as a teenage boy with hormones racing... I remember looking out my bedroom window and just watching her cut the lawn. That was a good half an hour well spent, I'm telling you. But uh, so she never touched your diaphragm. Uh, That's what uh, happened with George <laughs> this week. Well, I'm, I'm still in shock about those scenes. I can't remember when it was, early in the week. 
but she was touching George's diaphragm and egging him on. Is she an innocent or is she Stop really it. egging him on? Stop it. She's been a professional vocal coach is what she was doing. Oh, right. But she sounded like she knew, knew what she was talking about and the singing from the diaphragm to give yourself a little bit of range and strength. You know, that's, that's all proper stuff. It is and all she proper wants- stuff, but her mum didn't believe that she could do that, did she? That's another question for, for another time. This the, the false rivalry, which is always set up, you know, in Ambridge. It's like, we don't need this nonsense. But I'm no, all up for teenage George having the heart for Fallon. Because as I said, it reminds me of myself and, and Janet from across the road. A jolly good. I hope Janet's listening to this. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I've never told anybody that in my whole life. Oh, no, I've... and you t- shared that with me. I'm honoured, Royfield. You and about 4,000 other people, but yes. No, 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 <laughs> just between us. Hello, Ambridge3962. Let's start with a call that came in just under the wire. It's Jonah. Hello, Dumpty Dammers. This is Jonah Man Jazz here. I'm really enjoying the arches at the moment. There's several good storylines this week i think i'm going to talk about rory in the past i've always found him to be a bit of a spoilt brat sort of mainly confirmed by the storyline he had with alice what's happened this week the scenes we've heard with julianne and with paul we've sort of heard that he's not only quite immature he's quite vulnerable as well which we've possibly not picked up on before I was on a short hiatus from listening like the scenes with Julianne a few months ago, but I'm pretty sure this week the nature of their relationship was revealed to a certain extent emotionally abusive on Julianne's side. There's a few things which are a bit odd. It's hard to see exactly what's in it for Julianne, but... It's going to be very interesting to see where they go with this storyline. Because like a lot of things, if you compare it with a Rob and Helen storyline, they kind of threw all sorts of things in with Rob. And they just sort of said, oh, well, if we throw this scene in, it'll make him look even more of a pantomime villain. But I'm kind of thinking, I think they might be doing this a little more subtly and hopefully a little better. So I'll speak to you next week. Thank you, Jonah. I agree with Jonah, actually, that they've got to grips with this portraying a baddie. With Rob, I mean, it was I was very slow to latch onto the story that he was going to be an abuser, but it was definitely came out as a pantomime story. It was very much in your face. And being Julianne, she's been a bit more subtle. It's a bit of a different story. And I think that this is going to run for quite a while. I don't see where it's going particularly because I'm not very good at predictions. But as you know, <laughs> I'm awesome, by the way. You are I've, very I've got awesome. one prediction right in eight years on this show. Yeah, so I'm aiming to beat that. <laughs> so what's that? You'll, you'll I'm be going to be 85, in 2030. <laughs> I might mention something that comes true, but I am rubbish at predictions. Although this week I have to say that some people have sent me predictions that are so wild that I've said, yeah, that's the one I'm going to go for. You know, when when it comes to predictions, this is the time for people all throughout the world to wildly predict who's going to win the World Cup. Just saying. Really? 
That's yeah. very good. Yeah. So we all have our own personal favourites. Uh, yeah, you're supposed to, it's not in the Archers. I think we're not supposed to talk about it. Doesn't the Archers act as a metaphor for life? Indeed, it does. Life, the World Cup, Strictly Come Dancing, the lot. The lot, exactly the lot. <laughs> so, will Paul and Rory get together? Will the French win the World Cup? And will Hamza win Strictly? The answer is yes. You know what I thought was interesting about Paul and Rory is that here we are on our favourite ducky drama where we have this slow madrigal of these two characters and will mm. they, won't they, and they just happen to be of the same sex. Whilst one of the controversies of the World Cup, of course, is that homosexuality is illegal in Qatar. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And did you see the links I sent you about abuse of the people who built the stadiums, etc.? Well, that reminded me of the indentured servitude story, which we've had yeah. on the arches as well. You yeah, know, there, are, there are links abound between the World Cup and... I hope, uh, I hope and, Stephen Bowden's listening to this. <laughs> He'll love us for it. Stephen, but, we, I respect your view, but we can't resist, can we, Royfield? And, and you know, Julianne, she's bought the affections of Rory, just like the Indeed. Qatari government bought the hosting of the World Cup. Yeah, Again, absolutely. another link, another link. But to, to Jonah's point, Jonah said he can't understand what she's getting out of this. Very obviously, power, control, and attention when she wants it on her own terms. Yeah, but how does it work, Royfield? Because I don't see... I, You know, I was a a corporate wife in the 1980s, Mm -hmm. and if somebody regularly turned up, a woman or a man, with the same 30 years younger, 20 years younger, 10 years younger, bit of fluff... It wouldn't be acceptable. Without wanting to put too fine a point in it, the world has maybe moved on a little, but not that much. And I would I would say that people would raise an eyebrow, but remember They Justin, bumped into each other. Yeah, and Justin knew what the setup was. So she's obviously got form with this, that she does take younger men in tow to these events. And so that tells me that it, for her it is a power thing. She doesn't really care. She's somebody who can't form or doesn't want to form relationships, emotional relationships with somebody of her own age and actually of her own station in life. Here is somebody who is probably at the top of their career within within her industry, but it's a way of actually cocking a snoop to convention and doing what, you know what, a lot of men have done for, for quite some time. So she's saying, screw convention, quite literally. But what I think is really interesting about their relationship, because we know that Rory has some level of true emotional feeling for her. Yeah. This has been clocked A damaged Rory. Number one, Rory needs money to get through university. And, And as we said before, a small but significant amount of students in the UK are turning to some level of sex work, whether Mm. it's OnlyFans or some level of escorting to get themselves through university. It happens on in every university campus now. It happens. And shame on us that some students feel the need to do this. Shame on us as as a society. Then he genuinely likes the excitement 
of being with somebody. She takes him to nice places, then is actually enjoying elements of her. But she holds all the cards. She wants constant attention, even if they're not together. He's got to answer texts. She's bombarding him with texts. So he literally, you're a free agent. No, you're not. If you're getting five texts from somebody in in an evening. That's excessive. but no, as she's demanding his attention. Yeah. And anyway, I, I think it's a wonderful storyline. I have no idea where, where it's going to go other than to mess up his virgin relationship with Paul, which I'm all up for. I'm all up for this roller coaster ride of not knowing where it's going to go. Hmm. Well, I don't feel quite the same because I feel like it's too close to coercive control. I think it's a good story the way they're doing it, but... I worry. I worry about Rory because I think he's a damaged child. He lost his mum early and he struggled with the family, with the Ali storyline. But I don't like it. I don't like the... We'll see. But it it plays with our stereotypical views of gender roles around this issue, in in heterosexual relationships. So for that reason, and that reason alone, I actually think it's quite quite clever myself. Jolly but anyway, good. Jonah, thank you for that excellent call. Uh, now we're going on to, oh, here we go. It's the voice. It's your Christopher. Hello, everybody. This is Christopher, sipping a cup of hot black currant. Although I am actually from Dundee. I, I was born in Dundee, but I do not live in Dundee. Well, I nearly got my fighting. Um, if it wasn't for that pesky interfering Tracy, I think I would have got my fight. Or as close as David is really capable of violence, but never mind. What I really want to know is, I want to know what Leonard thinks. We've heard from Leonard and Leonard has done what Leonard does. He's tried to put his arm around people and try and be conciliatory and try and take everyone for a, a pie and a pint and smooth things over. But what we haven't heard from an independent source is is what, what he actually thinks. He must be shocked at Jill's cruelty and her intransigence. Not so much as her opinion. I do not condemn Jill for her opinion, but I do condemn her for her behaviour towards somebody who is clearly devoted to her. I feel that the person that's most likely to bring this out is the sort of MacGuffin of the archers, Rex. Rex only seems to exist in order to bring out certain plot strands. If you'll remember, Rex was the person who effectively revealed the pregnancy storyline to Ruth by sort of saying, do you know, I've I noticed Ben's not really himself, you know, maybe you want to go and have a word with him and all the rest of it, and then the next thing you know, Ruth knows. So I feel like Rex is maybe the man to do that, but I'm desperate to know what a man with Leonard's outlook on life really feels about Jill's behaviour. Cheerio. Mm. I think that's an excellent point. I agree. Does he really know? Does Leonard know what she said and how she handled it? Because he'll be horrified, absolutely horrified. I could be misremembering this, but initially when Leonard found out, Ben said what his grand said about yeah. this. And he said, oh, your grand was all right with it. And Ben mm. said, really? Ben did question. Yeah. He said, so I take it that Leonard was actually not being forthcoming with the actuality there. And was trying to hide this from Ben. I think that he announced, it took Jill off and announced that there was a pregnancy in the offing and told her that Ben, that Chelsea was going to abort the baby. What I'm saying is I don't think Leonard knows quite how horrible Jill was to Ben. 
that's what is a secret. When she when she hit him on the head with all her vitriol and if Leonard knew that she said that, I don't think he'd be a very happy bunny. You would think so. We're somewhat left in the dark, but maybe this week all will be revealed because not only should Leonard have an opinion on that, but also with her leaving Brookfield and going to the bull. Yeah, it's all very weird, isn't it? Going to the bull suddenly like that and it's all opened up a whole kettle of fish with Jolene and Kenton. Jolene's Mm -hmm. happy with it and Kenton's not. It's all very odd. And just on the whole Jolene and Jill thing, that bit makes sense to me because we've never really had any interactions between Jill and her son, Kenton's wife. We haven't, right? Literally zero ever. So the fact that Jolene is using this as an, as a, a, an opportunity to build bridges with Jill. That makes sense. And to Christopher's point about Rex being a plot device, a MacGuffin, Alistair is, also, is everyone's confidant, isn't he? If, you, yeah, if you've got a, a little problem or if you just want to you know, talk about something to make sense out of it, it's always Alistair to turn to. Oh, Alistair and Rex, they're both, they're in the same category for me. Mm. I love them both. I, do, I think they're very comfortable Who do you characters. Love more? Oh, uh, if Alistair. you had to choose, but wait a minute. If you had to choose between Christopher, Rex and Alistair, who do you choose? Alistair. Wow, Christopher, there you go. There you Sorry, go, Christopher. Christopher You've been thrown Chris- to one side. Christopher's away. just a voice, you see. Christopher, you are the wait voice. <laughs> so are all the characters on the archers, they're only voices. Oh, no, Alistair's more than that. He's been around. Really? We know what he's like. I did see what you posted yeah, somewhere about say, the interview I, with Michael. Because you always encourage everybody to watch the YouTube videos. In fact, I did that this week. Mm-hmm. I had two very, very rainy, miserable, horrible afternoons. I had some very boring work to do. So you decided to fill your rainy, miserable yeah. afternoons with some Royfield. Is that what you're saying? I did. I did. I thought, I've never nice. watched any of these on YouTube. <laughs> so I did. And I'll tell you what, I loved the interview you did with Michael Lumsden. Oh, gosh. And that was a long time ago, wasn't it? Was it during the lockdown? Very start of lockdown. Because that's the reason why we started doing them, of course, because it was lockdown and there was no Friday episodes. No, that's true. For the first two months of us doing them, they were every Friday we were doing a different different actor. Well, I loved the interview. You did very well. It really fitted this week with his conversations with Paul about the woman that he quite fancies. Of course, it's all very confused because it's Paul's mama. Yeah, it's complicated. Yes, (laughs) I just think he's totally underutilized in this regard. And the best thing that's ever happened to him, to to Alistair as a character, is the divorce from from Shula because now he's a much more rounded character who we actually hear. You know, he's actually interacts with, with with other characters in the village. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he, because he started off as kind of this, well, of course, he had the terrible years when he with his gambling addiction mm. and all the dealing of that. And then there was the horse pictures years when yeah. he was just a voice horse off. Horse paintings. But now living with Jim, who wouldn't want to live with Jim? I thought that, again, was lovely in that, because he didn't want to live with Jim initially. No, not at the beginning. He? No. You know, he saw it as, oh, my goodness, I'm getting divorced and I'm going back to living with her, not only with my parent, but with one who I haven't had the best relationship with. Yeah. 
Yeah. And this week it all came out, didn't it? How actually Absolutely. it worked. Oh, good. Oh, what a good Which link. is in, in stark good. contrast to Ruth and Jill. Yeah. A mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law is oh. never going to be the same. Sorry. I've had several of them. Several. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we should talk about that um, a little bit later on. Yeah, uh, but or, now, or never. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. So, <laughs> sounds quite interesting. All right. Uh, just before we leave, Chris, you know, he's such a man of mystery. So when he said, I don't live in Dundee, but I'm from Dundee, he didn't say, but I live in no, Kilcardy Kil- or where- wherever. No. Did Christopher, he? Right now I've got to get my... He's uh, just playing I've got to get... He is. He's I've got to get my maps you. out again. You know, I've got a brand new camping car. I'm about to go off on a world tour of a van and uh, with my van, and I need to pass in Scotland. I'm going to search you out, Christopher. I'm sorry, just just to have a coffee. Yeah, Monsieur Berso. I'm sorry. Okay, all right, smashing. (laughs) I'll just check it. We will. We will come and sort you out. Menage toi. No, I'll be having a coffee with you, Christopher, but I need to know where you're from. I know where you're from, Dundee. Listen, can I just say, menage toi again? No, no, no. Don't, you don't need to say that. Nothing okay. like that. All right. I'll say mange tu then. Menage toi. Mange tu. Hi, Roy Fields, Jacqueline, Miss Christmas and all lovely Dundee Dummers. It's Marie calling from Winchester in Hampshire. Just thought I'd call in. I've got a question, really, for any lawyers out there. Basically, Vince, who really is a nasty piece of work. Well, I very much feel that he coerced Ruth and David into going for the solar panels and making them accept his 40 grand off. So they didn't really want it in the first place. And secondly, with that amount of money, wouldn't there have been some sort of contract drawn up and can Vince just pull out just like that? Who knows? Anyway, I would have thought actually that Caroline would say either you leave David and Ruth alone or we're done. Let's hope she gives him some sort of ultimatum because he's nasty. The other thing too is well done, Ruth, for standing up to Jill. bit disappointed though. Because she could have had her trump card there and said, if you don't shut up, Jill, I'm going to get you with the routine in Galbrush. Now, that would have been very funny, I think. But yeah, loving the Archers at the moment. think it's pretty damn good. Some great storylines. And uh, loving Dum De Dum. Still can't send you a five-star review. I'm still waiting for a seven-year-old to come round and show me how to do it from an Android. So, but yes, thumbs up. You are brilliant. Love you all. Laura, Laura, love. Bye. Nice to hear your voice, Marie, because you're normally you only send us music. Mm. We normally just hear her fingers <sighs> doing the talking. Indeed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. I, I think you made a mistake, Marie. I'm sorry if it wasn't Caroline. It's Lizzie you were talking about. But... Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was. But mm-hmm. I understood. Oh, we understood. Is Vince being coercive, controlling? Or just a bastard. Beep, beep, beep. You can beep, beep, beep you, that you one. Can, you can be both. You can be both at the same time. I think he is. I think he's everything we want to say that's nasty. Mm. That's our Vince. Yeah. I don't have too much more really to say about the matter other than it feels a little bit juvenile 
to me. Vince's behaviour, I appreciate he wants to defend his daughter and all of that. But when Marie, when you says, is there a lawyer in the house? Listen, I'm not a lawyer. I barely finished secondary school. I was kicked out of university. I'm, I'm a failing student. And I'm telling you categorically, in no court of law, do the Brookers lot owe him a penny when it comes to that holiday? Ridiculous and, story. You know, somebody can throw that in as, oh, okay, and you owe me this and you owe me that. But David needs to develop a backbone and say, look, oh, I will pay you back the loan money. Everything else, go swivel. What Absolutely. are you going to do about it? Nah, not. I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, the whole thing of David and Ruth trying to... I'm not, I'm not even sure that they should even be paying him back just like that. There must be some get-out clauses in their contract. must be some way of doing it. No no loan that you ever receive from anybody with a contract is ever going to say, right, when the contractee says, go out, you do it. No. Exactly. And Glyn Fuller Love was so correct a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, absolutely. There is no way... Of, of some uh, farmers with the experience of doing business that David and Ruth are obviously are would have got into an agreement where at the whim of the person who was they've got the loan from they've got to pay it back. It's just nonsense. They wouldn't they wouldn't do it. And I say again, forty thousand pounds is not an inconsiderable sum, but if you're a farmer. And that farm has been in the family for how many years? Let's just say 100 for the sake of argument. And David has been the chief farmer for how long? Phil died, what, 12 years ago, something like that. And then Phil gave it up to date. David's at least been running that farm for 20 years, at least. Any bank, any financial institution will give him a loan against whatever asset on that farm for £40,000. He doesn't have to sell an inch of land and that repayment on a regular mortgage is going to be 300 and odd quid a month it's the most ridiculous storyline and the only thing that makes sense to me and somebody says this later so i don't want to jump in is that the buyer of the land will be somebody of which they're in conflict with that's the only way and even then it's a poor storyline it is, but Royfield, one person who's missing from this storyline, where mm. is Elizabeth? True. Elizabeth encouraged David particularly to to continue with the loan, the idea of the loan, but she's not saying anything now. Is she still with Vince? Has she chucked him out? Well, we, we, we've got to presume it's a mystery, she is because isn't it? it's true, true. Bit like the result of the England Wales match. It's a mystery until it happens. That, but that's not today or tomorrow. Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday. Of course, it will be an England victory. But as to the exact result, it's a mystery. An England victory. That's very, very deep of you to find that. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of parallels between the World Cup and average because otherwise we can't talk about it. No, that's very true. Mm. That's very true. Shall we go to the upper, lower, east, west side? Yeah, do you think he listens to the footy? Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy Greetings, Royfield, Jacqueline and all Dumpty Dummers around the world It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here 
Well, it was a close race for who was the most despicable character in the Archers this week. I can't say the most despicable resident in the village because one of the candidates resides in London. First up, Vince, who currently holds the most despicable character crown. This week, he tried to get David to fork over the money for an extravagant present that he bought and seemingly could easily afford. Very despicable. Once again, if I were David, just like if I were Chelsea a couple of weeks ago, I'd have lost my temper and walloped him. Or at least I would have retorted, I'll pay for the solar panels, but not for the trip. See you in court then. But David has taken the high road and is navigating through Vince, Ruth, and his mother. Not easy. And when Elizabeth finds out about this latest threat and doesn't dump Vince's ass, like I and others have already urged, I'll lose much respect for her. Next up for most despicable character, Julianne. She and Rory are involved in this strangely bizarre mother-son-like relationship with a dollop of sex and an exchange of money and favors. Can she be any more controlling? Now we know for sure that Rory can be classified as a sex worker. I'm going to leave the debate about its morality in this day and age aside, but I am very curious as to when Rory does leave this business relationship, which I hope will be soon, how is he going to process it? And how will it affect his self-esteem and future relationships in the years to come? Lots of therapy ahead, I think. Talk to you soon. Thank you for that, Mr. Spoon. So what do you reckon, Madame Berto? Yeah, I agree. And I'm not even sure that either of those despicable characters live in the village as such. But yeah, Vince, very despicable. Julianne, very, very despicable. All the, it's all leading to lots of intrigue in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mr. Spoon, can I ask you for a detailed analysis of, of Julianne, please? Because I've done my amateur CSC psychology take on her, but you is a proper sports therapist. So as a sports therapist, you will have <laughs> much more info than me and an opinion worth listening to. But you know what, though, Madame Berto, we've forgotten this. The best and the easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dum-de-dum. Don't forget the T in the middle. And you can also find a link to Speakpipe in our show notes. And we need your calls in by 6pm on a Sunday UK time. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and bear in mind that you need to be at least 18 to take part. Now, this is the People's Podcast, as coined by one Stephen Bowden. So there are a few things that you can and really should do, because this is your favourite podcast after all. First of all, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast you're listening on and give us a five-star review. It'll be hugely appreciated. Also, whilst you're there, why don't you tell a friend, tell, tell a family member to go and download the podcast, tell them to go and subscribe. They don't even really need to listen to it, but if they've got a smartphone and they're into podcasts, just say, you can subscribe to Dumpty Dum, please, because then you know what? We'll get an extra download. So if you've if you're, if got a hundred of you do that, that's actually quite meaningful. Go and tell a friend or a family member to download the podcast. Finally, this is what you could do. You could consider becoming a patron. Patron is a way of tipping creators and there are different levels with different rewards. If you just go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, we'll be chuffed to bits to have your support. You could be just like Brian Holden, Buggy Swires, who is the current sponsor of the show. Now, before we go back to our calls, don't forget that you can send us an email if you don't fancy 
hearing your voice by going on to WhatsApp. Write us a message on WhatsApp, which is plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. It's also it's an alternative way of you sending us a voice note so you can be a caller in or also on the same number. So again, that's plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. Now we go to my other podcasting wife. This is Claire, and I believe she lives in Clapham. Hey, dumpy dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Well, I've rather enjoyed Ruth being really, really pissed off in the last week or so. I feel like she's had it saved up for a long time. So I'm enjoying hearing all that come out. Although I sense a bit of rapprochement by the end of the week. I was getting to the point where I was starting to think that Ruth and David would also end up spitting up at the as an outcome of the whole Chelsea pregnancy thing, which would have done for, I think, four couples by then. Anyway, but my point today is, is the village choir hoo-ha which is completely pointless, by the way. Why would they even be in this situation? It's just completely constructed. But anyway, is the village choir hoo-ha an allegory for the Archer's management trying to find newer, younger listeners? So on the one hand, we have Fallon's appeal to the youngsters approach, whilst on the other hand, we've got Jolene's I know what I'm doing, stick with me approach. I'm interested to see how that will pan out because obviously they can't support two choirs in the village. But anyway, they're gearing up for that Christmas storyline, I suppose, where they all make friends again. Keep up the good work. Mm. You know, you talked about a metaphor for uh, trying to get new listeners to the Archers. You know where my mind went to? Spain, the Spanish football team. You had that golden generation of 2008 who won the European Championships, 2010 World Cup winners, 2012 European Championships. And now you look at their squad. It's kids. You've got Gavi, Nico Williams. It's nothing but kids. The only player that's there from the, the gone generation is Busquets. That's what I thought, just saying. What did you reckon? Well, you know me, I felt I'll always agree with you, apart from who's going to win the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a Johnny come lately as far as the football's concerned. <laughs> Jolly good, good, good alleg- allegory, allegory fields, and very good allegory, Claire. The choir, what a load of crap! Mm, <laughs> Two choirs I in a village. Mm, uh, it's I just, know. it's just one of those put together stories where there's going to be a fight. Rubbish! What a waste of time. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, Royfield and Jacqueline. This is Andrea, new Dumpty Dumber, first time caller in a row. Firstly, thanks to Royfield and Jacqueline for all your hard work in putting the podcast together and all the Dumpty Dummers for their contributions. I love to listen while I'm raking leaves in beautiful Brittany and France and also washing up, also in Brittany, obviously. Speaking of contributors, I have a request for Christopher, not from Aberdeen. Jacqueline has claimed him as her own, but with a consent being shared. I'm sure Jacqueline <laughs> and me aren't the only two ladies of a certain age who find a Scottish accent very pleasing to the ears. Following on from that... Could all Scottish and Welsh Dumpty Dummers form a rota so that at least one of you calls in each week? As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't have to be about the archers. You can tell us what you're having for tea. Royfield asked listeners for their thoughts about chilli. Obviously, my first thought is of Susan and Neil's little trysts, quickly followed by a desire to wash my brain out with soap and water. But then I'm reminded of a conversation I overheard when I was a 20-something working in an office. A lovely colleague in her 50s was talking to her husband on the phone. You might want to put the loo roll in the freezer, dear. I'm doing chilli tonight. Happy anniversary. Even after all these years, I'm not sure which image is worse. So if you're having chilli this week, I hope you enjoy it, but I don't need to hear about it. I really don't need any more horrifying chilli-related images in my head. Thank you, and I hope you all have a good week. Good woman. Thank you, Andrea. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing about the archers, but everything about Dumpty Tum. That's great. (laughs) Please call in again, Andrea. You... Enough, make me smile with that call. I have to say that we are singing from the same songbook as far as voices are concerned. Somebody asked on Twitter this week, I think it was, an actor in a role that you love. And all I could come up with was Peter Capaldi, John Hanna and James Nesbitt. So I realised that everybody that I really, really liked as actors, they were people who had beautiful accents. Shall I just really accentuate my Birmingham accent for you right now? If you look like a man with an accent. Well, I live with a Frenchman. What more can I say? <laughs> Sorry, Royville. <laughs> crap. <laughs> crap, Roy. Crap Birmingham accents. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you saying Birmingham accents are crap? No, I'm saying Wait a minute. Birmingham you heard accents here first. don't appeal to me in the same way that a Scottish, Northern Irish Welsh or French accent do. Well, it is known, statistics have been done on this, <clears> the <throat> least favourable British accent is the West Midlands. Really? Black country and Brummie accent, yes. Ah, if well, you want, you if you want That's to, why you've if changed you... your voice then. Wow. <laughs> wow. 
I don't think I have, but it is it is softer. I've lived outside of Birmingham for so many years. Exactly. You're a cosmopolitan. It's a bit like me and am I? I don't have a South Yorkshire, North Lincolnshire accent anymore. Well, you do. You've got twinges. Yeah, you, you don't sound like you're from the South. No. But you're not like, I can't, you know, smell I'm not the trawlers. Yeah, yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> the fishermen and the trawlers. I can't quite smell that on uh, on you anymore. <laughs> However, you still have some of those cadences, shall we say. Well, believe me, when I speak French, everybody knows I'm not French. <laughs> <sighs> Mr. Williams, you're up next. Rob Williams speaking again. Incidentally, a bit perturbed that it seems to be turning into <laughs> a voice quality popularity contest, which, speaking on behalf of the nasal droners, I feel a bit miffed about, but only because I'm wildly envious of people <laughs> who sound like, sound like they have a decent voice and an interesting accent and things. Hey-ho. Anyhow, I was wondering whether Julianne has been taking lessons from Vince Casey. If she turns around and decides that Rory's got to give back or pay back everything that she's been giving him. I mean, there's a car somewhere, which I didn't realise. Presumably that's a lease. I'm guessing that's going to get whisked away. How's he going to explain the absence of his wheels? It could be interesting. Could be just as ludicrous as the Vince Casey thing because there is absolutely no way he can expect them to pay for that New Zealand holiday. It was a gift, is one thing, and it can always be refunded, I'm sure, for another. And also, Beth could go off with somebody else, anybody else, a girlfriend, another boyfriend, a sister. Just and more nonsense on top of the whole selling land palaver. Anyhow, that's enough of my rambling. See you all. Take care. Hope we meet all. All meet up next April. Ta-ta. Rob accused accused us of being uh, voicist. Sorry, Rob. You know, Rob Williams is someone I don't know at all. I've never met him in my life. But we have had some exchanges which are very, very interesting. And we've had mm. the same kind of musical experiences in our life. So, in fact, the voices, ugh, we make a bit of a fuss about them here because it's a voice thing, but it doesn't really matter. It's the content that matters, isn't it? Until he said he had a nasally delivery. No, I, I didn't even, even think noticed. of that. <laughs> no, yeah, me neither. I was, like, I was like, really? Okay. Right. <laughs> and I love you, Rob. I'm looking forward to meeting you in, uh, uh, in wait April. A minute. How many of our listeners do you love? Is it Christopher all or Rob? All of them. No, all of them. <laughs> all of them. You like to spread your love around. Yeah, I am a tart when it comes to loving our listeners. Say, bit like Rory. Spreading no, it around. not at all like Rory. A, I'm not 20. <laughs> a, no, Rory's oh. not spreading it around. He's very exclusive, isn't he? That is true. Right, now, I've been a little bit naughty on more than one occasion in this podcast, and I need to uh, wash my mouth and my brain out with soap. And I tell you what, right, I stand, if I stand corrected by anybody on this podcast, it's by our next caller in, Richard, who told me off for joking about Poland's culinary esteem. I besmirched oh, it, weeks didn't ago, I? weeks ago. Yes. But you've forgot, everybody's forgotten about that now, boy. Oh. I haven't. Whenever I see his name, I cower a little. I'm like, oh, don't, don't mess with our Richard. Hi, it's Richard again, all the way from sunny Sydney. In what world does Vince think that David and Ruth are liable for his present to Ben and Beth? 
doesn't make sense at all. And in what world would Dave and Ruth, because they obviously discussed it, think that mm -hmm. they owe him the money? Mm -hmm. Dave is not only stupid, he's also got no backbone and he is incredibly insensitive. It's really weird thinking that Ruth is the sensible one in that relationship. Will Julianne and Rory's bust-up lead to the reconciliation between Rory, who's really got himself into a bad situation, I somehow being supported by Alice? I was humming the lyrics of Just a <laughs> Gigolo and thinking that, unlike the Gigolo in the famous song, Rory has got people who care about him, and maybe this could be the route to reconciliation. Why is George so interested in Fallon? Because he's just fit. his hot, what's the word, unsatisfied young man's instincts. Yes. <laughs> or perhaps did Martin Gibson tell him he needs to <laughs> get in with a cash business like a tea room or even through her to a copper? I'm not sure. And if Rory is really entrepreneurial, could he not sell his client to George? who presumably would be virtually ready to do it for free. Just speculating. <laughs> very good. Mm. Very good. Thank you for that, Richard. He made lots of really clever links there, but I think it it's did. as simple, simple as, Richard, in the main thrust of your call is, you know, George, why is he after Fallon? It's because she's an attractive woman. She's, she's a little bit older, but who cares? And he's a teenage boy who, you know, who's got hormones fizzing around his body. It's, it's as simple as that. Yeah, but I liked the last thing that he said, which was about Rory selling Julianne as a customer onto George. <laughs> now, George would be absolutely up for it, but I'm sorry, but George doesn't have the class that Rory has. Not yet, most definitely. Can mm. we talk about the fact that we he, uh, Richard, mentioned just a gigolo? And do you know, just a gigolo is an Austrian tango. I did not know that. Yeah, the beat is a tango, and it was written by an Austrian. And <laughs> and this week, our Hamza did a dance, which was an Argentinian tango. So our Hamza, who's going to win strictly, mm -hmm. it was mentioned in our bio Colorinos in a roundabout the, way. The tango is a dance from which country? Come on now. Classically South American, yeah. Argentina, yeah. Well, We're all in now. <laughs> they they were defeated 2-1 by Saudi were, Arabia. They were. However, shockingly. <laughs> shockingly so. So much so that the Saudi Arabians declared the next day Wednesday a national holiday in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and, do you know I uh, lived they, in Saudi Arabia? You did? I did, yes. How was that? In the 80s, yeah, it was hard, hard. I would have thought. During the mm. Mecca bombings, we left off the Mecca bombings because it got very, very difficult. But hey, that's, mm. another, that's another story for another podcast. So Argentina have roared back. They yeah. beat Mexico 2-0 yesterday. They but did. the interesting thing about the tango is Argentina is almost completely homogeneously people of European origin. Yeah. Um, Often Nate, German. And Italian. Yeah. So there's more people of Italian descent in Argentina than there is of Spanish descent. And then, so there's hardly any native peoples left. Yeah. Or Afro-Argentinians. And that is significant because that's where the tango comes from. The the 1% of Argentinians who have African descent, that's where the tango comes from, which is a development of an Angolan 
dance. So the one thing that the world, other than football, knows about Argentina comes from black Argentinians, of which there are hardly any left. There's a whole disputed history is the reason why there's hardly any black Argentinians left. But anyway, they left their mark on that culture through the tango. On that point, right, so I'm not just talking about the World Cup. See our LinkedIn strictly you're, is... You're excellent, excellent. Now, let's go on from caller inners because that was the last one. Shall we now go to emailer inners? Yeah, we should. But in fact, this week, we've had quite a lot of messages via Twitter, Ooh, direct okay. messages. Um, mm-hmm. So not necessarily, I'm not sure we've got an email or two. No, we haven't. But we've had lots of people telling us about our conversation last week about Americans in the Archers. So I said, wasn't Cameron <laughs> Fraser Canadian? And no, he was Scottish. Everybody's told us that. But why? where I got this mixed up is that Debbie's first husband was Canadian. So I knew there was somebody yeah. who was married to somebody and I knew that they were North American. So I got it mixed up with Debbie. Cameron sorry. Debbie, yeah, yeah. Debbie, yeah. Yeah. So I got it mixed and up I with Debbie. I was Debbie's. convinced that Aunt Laura was American, who was somebody who lived with Colonel Danby. But mm. in fact, Laura was from New Zealand. So mixing up our colonies. Sorry about that, chaps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, so thank you, everybody, who who corrected us, put us straight. Now, Quite a let... few people corrected us. It wasn't just one or two. Yeah, it was like a whole ton of you. <laughs> yeah. uh, now we've been corrected. Why don't we go and hear what our Facebook friends have been talking about on Facebook? Hey up, my ducks. It's Katie here at Katie Peeland on Twitter and Instagram. This week's been all about two panto villains, Jill and Vince. Firstly, Jill. Carolyn Wright could see the makings of a perfect Christmas story. Follow her post for some fab content throughout this week. Lynn Rafferty shares her wise grandma's advice, which Jill really should have listened to. Pam Delay asked if there's room on the broom for a witch like Jill. At the time of going to press, Lizard Beth's response was winning. There was also another poll asking what level of desperation would you have had to hit before asking Alistair for advice. Susan Steele's actually on Jill's side, much to others people's surprise. And she had other backers too, so she's not on her own. Our Witherspoon put on his detective hat and spotted that Jill and Leonard are now listed as the first two characters in the character list. Hmm. Claire Brophy made a scary prediction that Jill will die soon and that she's cut out the Brookfield lot from her will and that's why she took so long with Jolene. Wow. Now on to Vince, if I must. Ruth Pearl pointed out that David and Ben are under no obligation to pay for the holiday, seeing as it wasn't in a contract, but I doubt that'll stop Vince. And Andrea Twelves is worried there may not even be a contract at all, keeping David and Ruth safe from Vince. Sarah Spilsbury said what we're all thinking, good on Tracy. Kate Penfold reminded us of Ruth's pension pot again, still seems like a good solution. Rob Williams hopes that Julianne doesn't take a leaf out of Vince's book with Rory. Let's hope they've not been talking. Now on to the George and Fallon awkwardness. Rob Williams stirred the pot with George and the object of his desires, and Emily Pettingell's decided hip-hop is a safer option to listen to in her car than that scene with George and Fallon. Kay Goff shared the best emoji of her reaction to the George and Fallon music lesson, and I agree. On to other news. Kirsty Nicole shared the fun she's been having with shocking Brits abroad and the fact that an American travelling in Portugal listens to the Archers. Hope you're having a fab trip. Lillian McCarthy may have spotted where the strict writers get some of their story inspo from. And someone called Tim Bentick? No, I don't know either. Must be a newbie. Shared the video of a very familiar voice. 
Our Stephen shared a post about Americans in the Archers. Some great facts there for anyone needing a reminder. There was also a lovely behind-the-scenes photo from last week's recording where Madame Bertho's daughter paid her a surprise visit. Shirley Farron Anstey thinks there may be a battle of the choirs with Jolene and Fallon having the same ideas, giving us some light relief, harmonies at dawn. While Marianne Pike pointed out they've always been so close, so why wouldn't they have discussed any of this? Louise Lawton shared a great letter that had been sent into the Radio Times about Brian and the Guardian crossword. Jane Evans, while Smith, pointed out how lovely it is that there are never any spoilers leaked in the press, so you never really know what's coming. She said she supposes it's because it's not as exciting enough to gossip about. I think it's the fact we're too cool. Paul Norris spotted the Chinese version of Justin Elliott and or Martin Gibson and hopes neither of them catch wind of it. And lastly, our Philippa said she's going to be fuming if Elizabeth stays with Vince after all of this. And if she does, she's going to go and have a word. Anyone who wants to join her, let's all meet at the ball for a pint of Shires first. As usual, welcome to the newbies. Make yourselves known, settle in with a cuppa and let us know your thoughts. Until next time, ta Thank you for that, Katie. Lovely, succinct roundup. Now let's go on and give a right royal welcome to our lovely new members who also joined us on Facebook. Yes, so this week we'd like to welcome to the group three lovely new members. We have Nicola Perkins, Jess O'Leary and Alex Finley. Thank you all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So, Royfield, I believe we have a wonderful five-star review from Marion. We do. This is a lovely review. Dum Dee Dum is the podcast to follow for any genuine Archers aficionado. Being a dedicated German Archers follower from Berlin, with no one sharing my Archers obsession, I was thrilled to discover this exchange post of both gossip and gibberish. Pe- <laughs> gibberish! Gibberish! That's you! That's you! I'm gossiping, you're gibberish. Sorry, sorry, carry on. (laughs) Paired with genuine affection and friendship. Friendship? Don't even like you much. Right. I've never met you. (laughs) And that is true. I am sometimes not sure what I look forward to more. The next episode of The Archers All Dum Dee Dum. Five stars for Royfield and Madame Berto. And that's from Marion. Oh, Marion, that's so lovely. Thank you. It is funny that lots of people think that we get on very well. Goodness knows what we'll make of each other when we meet in April next year. Which reminds me, quite a few people are asking if you've set the dates yet. Oh, right. Give us give us another week. Let me speak okay. to Cara from the Academic Archers and we'll, we'll get it nailed. Yeah, okay? we need to get it nailed because there are people who are planning other trips. In fact, someone who's a very dedicated follower of the Archers, Bernadette mm-hmm. Hawks. Mm-hmm. Do you know, through Dumpty Tum, through the Archers and tweeting, she's met some lovely people and she's due to go to Philadelphia next April. Isn't that fantastic? Friendships are made through the archers. And so she just wants to make sure that she doesn't go to to Philadelphia (laughs) when we're all in Birmingham. So give us another seven days and we'll have that date nailed on for you. Very good. Very good. Well, while we're talking about friends made on Twitter... Let's talk about Twitter. We are on Twitter where we are at Dum Dum. We always include the hashtag The Archers with a capital T and a capital A so the visually impaired can enjoy any Archers based tweets. Also, that hashtag is your opening for the tweet along, both in the evenings and during the omnibus. Please try and include at Dum Dum in your tweet so more people get to see it and it helps to keep our community growing. 
and as well as being at dumdydum on Twitter, Madame Berto. Yes, I can be found at Jberto Sanguen. It's B E R T H O, not B E R T H A U D, as a lot of people write. So, at Jberto Sanguen. If we're doing Twitter, it must be time for Tweet of the Week. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. And for the Mastodon gang, there's also one Tweet of the Week. If you like plot predictions and don't mind smut, this week you could do worse than have a look at what the tweet-alongers think George is going to do to Fallon and how Harrison is going to react. A number of Twitter users have migrated to the alternative platform Mastodon, where the equivalent of tweets are called toots. There aren't quite as many toot-alongers as tweet-alongers just yet. So for now, here's just one chosen toot of the week. It's from Audrey Ann, who is known as at very old at SFBA social on Mastodon. Alistair is weak in the knees for Denise. Short and sweet. Meanwhile, here are the Twitter medals. In bronze position, it's newcomer Skyzer at Skyzer UK. But apart from the money, the car, the dinners, the hotels, the travel, the contacts, the mentoring and the sex... What has Julianne ever done for Rory? In silver, it's Nick at Check Your Sheds. With Jill leaving, the heart has left the home. The tiny, cold, bitter heart bringing only misery and judgment. Or, to put it another way, in gold, it's Sam at underscore Sam Dean. No need for warm havens in Ambridge. Villagers can gather round to warm their hands on the burning inferno of Jill's self-righteousness. That's it for this week. Hope to see you all on Twitter next week. Thank you, Theo. And congratulations to everybody who got the accolade of being a bronze, silver or gold. And well done to the person who was the tutor of the week on Mastodon. Now, don't forget, folks, as well as being on Twitter, you can also find us on Instagram where we are at dumdydum. So do follow us there. You'll be in the capable hands of Katie. And thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices and to our podcasting godmother, Lucy B. Freeman. So, England-Wales, what do you reckon? Well, the Welsh team looked stronger than England after the last two pardon? matches. I beg no, your pardon? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But uh, the English, Iran, England... Iran yeah. taken to pieces by England and Iran comprehensively yeah. beat Wales 2-0. Yeah, but England was so rubbish against the USA. USA was so rubbish as well, I have to say. It wasn't well, just the... It was, a poor poor opponent makes a poor game. There you go. There you go. Yeah. One of the worst, if not the worst, game uh, of the World Cup. And that's yeah. just, not just me saying that with English bias. Um, however, no. the French do look good. Mbappe was on fire yesterday. Yeah, but he wouldn't be anywhere without Griezmann. I do like Griezmann. You know who I've got a real soft spot for? Guess who? who I want to be when I grow up? Loris. No, no, no. Giroud. What a handsome <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh he's beautiful. Man. He is, he's but he's beautiful. very smiley and gorgeous. He's very lovely. He's just so well groomed. Somebody said on a podcast. A bad ankle that... today, though. Oh, did he? Yeah. Bad photos of a very swollen ankle. There's two of them with swollen ankles. Can't remember what the other one's called. Sorry. 
Oh, well, the other person with a bad foot is Neymar, the Brazilian. Neymar, yeah. Neymar's yeah. had a bad foot since he arrived over there, so yeah. it's all... I mean, I don't know anything about football, but... I, but you know I, a good-looking I, footballer or a swollen I, ankle when you see well, one. I know a good-looking Frenchman when I see them. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, you know what the key to a good marriage is, is to throw yourself fully into their passions. And that's really? what I'm doing. Yeah. Football. I didn't say a word. You didn't. You didn't football. have to throw in football just to to make sure that everyone's mind was clean. <laughs> anyway, Madame Berto, au revoir, bonsoir. Au revoir, Mr. Brown. Three points each going into the group stage finale. Can Spain get a win and all but clinch a spot and all but condemn Germany to a second straight group stage exit? And it comes to Morata. Spain get the breakthrough. So then he can attack the ball, but still has a lot to do on this finish. He's past that front post, so he just outside of the boot, flicks it, and beats Neuer at the near post. Full Cruz get it picked out up from Musial, and he roots it! Nicholas Fulkrug! Tie game! So it finishes a draw. Germany still alive, just. Spain haven't clinched a spot yet. 